Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie in your mouth. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, in your mouth with a paintbrush. Well, in your ears. With a paintbrush? Eyes. With a paintbrush. With a pen? Pen. Pencil. Pencil. Uh, any of the things can Mixed be Mixed media in Mixed your media. mouth. There you go. Mixed media all up in your business. Um, guess what, everyone? It's another art episode. Wah, wah, Get your wah. boners ready. <laughs> <laughs> Unzip your pantaloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... This was a good one, dude. I learned shit. Really? Yeah. All right. Um, there were a couple of dudes where I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna actually go." See yeah, you would like. I, yeah, these some of these dudes are definitely your shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's just funny to learn how much art gets ripped off by other yeah. artists and styles, and mm-hmm. and how it's just real gray area with like, well, how can you accuse someone of being? Of ripping you off or being a thief or whatever when it's, you know, when they're not just carbon copying your thing. In this episode, I list a a, a group of artists that I think are ripped off a lot and that you would probably, after looking at their arts, realize that you've seen stuff derivative of them. And I just talk about why they rule and who's ripping them off and why. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you learn to discern the difference. Now, for those of you who don't, uh, we're going to make this intro short and sweet. But for those of you who uh, skip the intro, maybe, or aren't Uh paying attention right now, we, we we talk about a lot of visuals, which is very annoying in a podcast. Right. So just so you know now, you can go to Kevin's Instagram and there will be uh, a list of the names of the artists we are talking about along with some of the exact pictures we are mentioning so you can either look at them there or Google those images as we discuss them. So we know that's very annoying and we've come up with a solution for that. So you're not just listening to us describe something. Yeah. It is there for you uh, to follow along. I learned a lot of shit and look, this is... Kevin is the artist half of this podcast he's like a legit working successful talented artist I'm also the sex half yeah he's also the fuck half fuck party half um I really so yeah and I don't know a lot of, about this stuff so I learned a lot of shit so if you are into that uh, learning more <laughs> learning? about art if you're, <laughs> you're into, into learning learn. more about art uh, listen to this I I, I learned uh, which I'm all about doing when it comes to this stuff because I am a fucking mm. Art retard. <laughs> um, I know what I like when I see it. I, c- I couldn't talk about artists at length, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, we get into some fucking cool shit that I wish I uh, would have known about before. And this is by no means a definitive list. This is just a list I came up with, you know, just a group of people. There's so many people, Maybe and maybe in a year we'll do it again after you've gotten over being annoyed by my pretension. But this is a group of artists I think are lifted from a lot. So, yeah, they're rad. Where are you this week? Do you have a promotional movement? Um, let's see. Uh, this week, I am uh, nowhere You'll be at the special. comedy store. Yeah, I'll be at the store uh, doing some sets. But next week, Fine. you guys, May 22nd through the 24th, I am in the lovely city of Cleveland, Ohio, at Hilarity's Comedy Club. Uh, hit me with some stuff to do in Cleveland, everyone, if you live there now or used to. I'm obviously going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Calm down. Obviously fucking doing that. Get a Browns uh, tattoo. Get a <laughs> <coughs> um, So I'm going to do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hit me with cool places to eat, some record stores, some vintage clothing places. You know, um, the stuff that makes your city rad. Always let me know about that. Uh, you can do that at contact at nickyousef.com. 
There are other gigs posted there as well that are coming up for me. Uh, June 20th and 21st, I'm recording an album, everyone. La Jolla Comedy Store. Come down to that, you know? Let's fill that room. Let's make this sound fucking beyond epic. Go to it. June 20th, 21st, 8 and 10.30 p.m. shows. Uh, Openers to be determined. Uh, They will be good, though. So come down and support, man. This will mean a lot to me. Yeah. June, uh, same weekend, I'm in um, Tempe. With no one go to that. Well, if you're, you're not driving from Tempe to San Diego. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, come uh, Tempe Improv 20, at, like 20 to the 21st or some shit. Uh, come see that. Uh, go to Nick's show. Uh, there's an ad in the middle of this episode for Warby Parker. Don't hate. And uh, money makes the world go round. So mm-hmm. does art. All up in your mom's business. And they're actually a good company, and they make good shit. Otherwise, we would say no. We have the option to turn down ads. Peace in the Middle East. Uh, enjoy this episode, you guys. We love you. Can't fly or sink or swim. It's a lot like falling down. I'm standing up, falling down. Right, so the noise is dying Do you still hear the sounds of my staff? <laughs> Your staff? You mean the, the gardeners that probably are working on seven houses on this block? Yeah, I don't know if they do another house nearby. I mean, they can't work too far because gardeners won't go that far out of their kind of... They like pick an area and they won't go super far. Why not? I think it's just a waste of time because they haul ass. They, they do yards so quickly that driving 20 minutes is the same amount of time they could have done a yard. Yeah, that's why I guess they were doing seven houses on the street. I mean, I they think... do them in clusters. I, the, I got them from someone who lives in Eagle Rock, so I think they just... As long as they stay east... Wait, Eagle Rock to Silver Lake, that's kind of... That's it, like is a bit of a, it is a bit of a, a drive, but, you know. Yeah. But the first, when I called them, I was like, hey, can you, uh, you want to come work at my house? They were like, where do you live? Right. You know what would, what would absolutely kill in this neighborhood is if it were, like, uh, gardeners that dress like they work at, like, Intelligentsia. <laughs> like, if <laughs> like they had suspenders the suspenders and bow ties. Yeah, the flannel shirts. And All the they boots. have to do is lie. If I was a gardener who worked in this neighborhood, I would just lie and say that it was earth-conscious somehow. All they need is, a, is an electric leaf blower. Yeah, but those it's, electric leaf blowers suck. Are they not good? No, Wait, they, they don't. exist? I thought I made them up. No, they now. definitely <laughs> exist. You just need a huge extension cord, and, yeah, you just have to plug them in. I mean, imagine the fucking noise that it would save. They're not quieter. <laughs> They're not super quieter. It's just the reason people wanted them was pollution. Yeah, because all the gas. I mean, you could the old ones, like you know, fifteen years ago or whatever. You could see the exhaust billowing yeah. out from the back. It no, was, they're gas powered. They were disgusting. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind the smell of. I how love. does that? Fe- how did it feel when you first were like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna order a gardening service. I'm, well, I'm, I, like I said, I'm that guy now. I tried to do it myself for. Yeah. Pro- I did it myself for probably <laughs> two years, three years. Right. I didn't, and the first problem was I bought a push mower because yeah. I didn't want to have a, a motorized one because I didn't want like a can of gas in my garage. It felt like too much of a fire hazard. Like a push mower, meaning one of those like man, yeah, just blades that spin. That, oh, I, wow. that, that spin like by virtue handle. of me pushing wow. the wheels forward. So not even a motorized push. Yeah. No. Wow. A full-on push one, which is what my used when I was a kid. That my dad had that. Yeah, so yeah. that's what, when I was forced to mow the lawn. The grass out yeah. While you're looking at. Wow. And so, uh, and this is pre me going to the gym. So this was yeah. a physical effort. It's it would take me forever. Uh-huh. Take me. Two to three hours to mow everything. I did have a, I have a weed whacker, so I would edge everything. I would pick 
I would pull whatever weeds I could manage. But then I would be so exhausted from doing it poorly, I would usually wait till the next day to rake up the grass that I cut. Because <laughs> the push mower, I didn't get a bag on the back, which I, they probably exist. I just didn't get one. Yeah. And so, and someday, sometimes I would go a week without like mowing, like picking up the grass clippings. And I just, and when I would do it, it didn't even look that good. It yeah. looked better. But not great. So it was doing this thing where I was breaking it up into days like, oh, I'll mow the front lawn today. I'll do the back tomorrow. Like, it just, yeah. I just sucked at and the it. The process took so long after a while that by the time you were ending the process, it was time to cut the grass again. Yeah, it just like was that. like this awful thing. And so I, I just suck at it. I'm not good at it. And so I decided, I was, uh, Al Madrigal came over and was like, uh, your yard looks like shit. And I was like, I just, I just yeah. did it yesterday. He's like, yeah, it looks terrible. And then he called yeah. his cousins. And he, he had a dude. <laughs> he, he was like, use my guy. And so I do. And uh, it's fucking worth it. man. It's Oh, yeah. When you see the difference from a, a push mower, whatever you call them, to an actual electric. Just it. The, the, the length yeah. of the grass wasn't the thing. It was just the, the, the it just looks better because they do it more consistently. Yeah, it's a difference between shaving with like a, a throwaway blade and like a straight razor at a barbershop. You're like, oh, this is closer, cleaner, nicer. It looks yeah. really tight. And not doing it in the dark. Right. Like, I just, it just didn't look good. So now it looks good. And it's $80 a month, which is not, I guess it actually, that sounds like more than it really is. Well, they come once a month or more? They come twice. That's not too bad. Because no. they do everything in the yard. Yeah. They were like the, the leaf blower thing. They were cleaning, clearing out the driveway. Yeah. And I live on a street with all houses. And the thing about it is your neighbors, you, it's this thing where you just, everyone kind of has this silent agreement to try to keep their house looking nice. Yeah. And if you don't want to be the house on the block that looks kind of shitty because then your neighbors, like for a while, that, that grass area in front of my house, I let it just basically explode into a mess of sidewalk? weeds. Yeah, on the sidewalk. I thought that's the city's responsibility. You're responsible for taking care of it. Oh. It's not your land, but you are responsible for its upkeep. What kind of bullshit is that? Can you put a sign out there if you want? Yeah, some city bullshit. So I let it turn into like a weed mess one time yeah. where like everything was standing up like two or three feet above the ground. It was fucking ridiculous yeah. looking. And one of my neighbors was like, hey, uh, you know, are you going to I could do it like he was so bummed on it. He offered to do it for They're me. And I was passive. like, oh, fuck. Like, so you I know, I just I kind of don't want to trip over it anymore. So if you he wasn't being that it, much of a dick, he was actually like, hey, are you going to maybe trim that? If not, I can totally do it or have my guy do it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm the worst. Yeah. And so I went and did it myself. But I was like, this is your neighbors are this awful homeowners are such a bunch of annoying not most of them, but like I have new neighbors and they they bug the shit out of well, me. Well, they want to justify the neighborhood they moved into. I mean, like, yeah. well, I mean, we can't let our neighborhood go to shit because then this will have been a waste of an investment. Yeah. We moved into this neighborhood for a reason. It's most people's nice. biggest investment. So, like, my neighbors yeah. now, they came over and fucking want me to sign a thing. So we have permit parking, which I think is no. stupid. Yeah. Some elitist bullshit. I hate that when I go to neighborhoods like Beverly Hills and I'm like, oh, I'm too poor to park here at 2 p.m. Yeah. Because I don't live here. Certain neighborhoods, if there's super high traffic, like the Melrose Hollywood, yeah. District area, because, you know, a lot of people are going to park right in front of a house and you can't park in front of your own home. Okay, something. but a lot of those homes have driveways. Yeah. Um, and what... I, because of that now, if someone wants to come to my house, I got to go get get them a visitor pass, which they don't mail those to you. 
Now, you if this ha- them. No, yeah, you got to go down to the city, downtown, yeah. with your water bill and be like, hey, can I get a bunch... Because you prove that you live there. Oh. And, and, then, and then they'll give you a bunch of visitor passes. I think you get one for yourself and another permanent one. Like, cause yeah. They assume you have a girlfriend or a wife You get or whatever. a sticker or whatever. But yeah, all the other ones you got to fucking request. That's just... That, see, that takes away from like... That takes away the neighborhood feel. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you know what? Like, we can jaywalk across the street or uh-huh. we can like play football on the road or you can mm-hmm. park backwards on the street or whatever. Yep. It now makes it's like it into parking enforcement that's going to come by. Well, do you know what my neighbor's rationale was? And this was so fun. She sounded so stupid. She goes, she goes, yeah, our landscapers can't even park on the street. I was like, you have a driveway. And did you just say that? You sound so dumb. What? Yeah. It's like my, I don't call them my landscapers, but I opened the gate and they parked in my driveway. Yeah. And that's, I'm like, well, they might like leak oil. It's, Shut up. Shut See, up. That's too far. Shut up. That's too far. Ugh, it's annoying. It's elitist crap. Yeah. It makes that so like neighborhoods like, oh, this neighborhood's for, for these for this level person and these other neighborhoods are for lower levels. It's like, dude, shut up. I hate that shit. Yeah, the second parking meters and, and those signs go up, I'm like, oh, this neighborhood's gonna It's annoying. Not turn to shit, but turn to shit in in the way where it's like Oh, now it's it's gonna cost me money to come here. Yeah, and you're gonna get these rare. We, you're gonna get these weird parking tickets because you didn't want to read the pamphlet of information that tells you when it's okay to park. Yeah, yeah. I would say the city, the, the cities of our nation have made it. They really don't want you to be allowed to live for for any on any free level. They need to make yeah, you. They want to charge for, you for everything you do. Your existence needs to cost money, and it's bullshit. Every move you make from the second you leave your door yeah. or your property or whatever costs money. Speaking of elitism, art! Art, everybody! <laughs> uh, we the, went to an exhibit that actually costs $0. Art's free a lot of the time. Isn't that awesome? As long as you want to buy it. And, and most gallery shows have a sweet postcard. Yeah. Um, we This episode, we're going to talk about art I hate and um, people that are ripped off. Mostly art I hate is because it's derivative and stolen from someone who created it on their own or at least pioneered it in some way, and then someone comes along and lifts it. So we went to um, a painting show of an artist that is ripped off like crazy. He is an artist I like. I'm not like the biggest fan of him. His name's Mark Ryden, uh, R-Y-D-E-N. You've probably heard of him or you've probably seen his images if you haven't google image him i'd be surprised if you haven't seen some of his work he's done some rolling stone covers he does kind of like he's a very good painter everything's very well rendered and detailed and finished and but he does lots of uh paintings of kind of like youngish girls with big eyes yeah he does like christina ricci looking he did a portrait of christina yeah, ricci yeah. at one point uh he and the, and the thing okay the big eyed girl thing he didn't invent it's uh, really based off a 70s painter named Barbara Keene. I think it's Barbara. Uh, and he kind of um, it was inspired by that style, I guess, or that kitsch value thing, and applied it to his work. He is ripped off on a crazy, crazy level. But wait, with this Barbara Keene person, did he rip her off, or was he just kind of influenced I by mean, her he, in a he way? He made children with big eyes. Now, that's all she did all the time. His paintings are significantly different. But yeah. I guess these are, are like darker. Yeah, his in, in his ways. he kind of pioneered what is a very popular thing. Okay, he's part of a movement that is sort of named the lowbrow art movement. It's 
That sounds offensive. It is. Uh, yeah, it sounds offensive and, <laughs> and insulting, but it's it's not. It's it's in and around artists that are uh, like Robert Williams, uh, Coop, uh, Mark Ryden, Clayton Brothers. It's it's pine. It's kind of championed by Juxtapose Magazine, right? And people like that. The Piz. It's it's in and around like Hot Rods. Is and Ju- Juxtapose Magazine a magazine you recommend people read if they want to? Yeah, Juxtapose is a good magazine. I don't love it a lot of the time because they do this they do do this thing that I hate where they'll they'll have they'll have Mark Ryden on the cover and then within the issue they'll have three of the people that rip him off. Yeah. They kind of show everybody and that and the part of that I think is cool and part of that I find annoying. Well no, I'm saying say for like for someone like me who's like doesn't know It's a great entry art to level. the level where like these guys are being ripped yeah. off, but for me, I'm just like pictures are pretty, and like yeah. I want to look in the no, book. No, Juxtapose is a is a good magazine to get into when you're when you're when you're wanting to find stuff you like because it's a lot of art magazines, which is so dumb, is they don't have that many pictures. So Juxtapose, is, yeah, you'd be it's a lot of words, which is annoying. Mm. Art forums like reading essays. So uh, Juxtapose is a great like way to get in and like see stuff you like, and then hopefully you look at stuff and and learn more about who's doing what and why okay. and when. But so Mark Ryden, kind of, he broke out just when I was about to start art school. He had his first big show, so it's probably like 1997. It was huge. Everything sold. The paintings were really expensive, and it was a massive sellout. And since then, he's been. That was in 97. Yeah, he's. So where did he? So where is he from? He's from. He went to Art Center. Oh, he did. Me, I don't know if he's from California, but he was a very big illustrator in the late 80s to mid 90s. He did. um, Wait, how old is this guy? He's probably 50 or something. What, it's funny when you look at his work. He, you're like, oh, that guy's like thirty something. No, that's because the young people rip him off, and right. like his art is still really popular among young people. He did a really pop, a really impressive Michael Jackson album cover. He did a lot of uh, uh, illustration in the in the '90s and was wildly successful, and then just sort of stepped away from it to only make fine art paintings. Yeah, and he kind of pioneered this sort of ephemera painting where he's just he's a really nerdy collector of stuff yeah and he would just kind of he takes all these kind of disparate images that are kind of old and vintage and uh things from the past and he puts them together in his paintings to kind of make art and kind of like but i think it's more about just like putting things next to each other he's obsessed with meat and abraham lincoln so you'll have a painting of abraham lincoln holding a steak and now, like having seen that, I guarantee you, people are like, "Oh, I see. Ton- there's tons of stuff with meat, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of ironic." So, some are you saying when someone rips them off, they'll do some like weird, dark, gothicy looking picture woman next to meat? Yeah, but with it, a bunny, it'll be like Andrew Jackson holding a sausage instead of Abraham Dude, Lincoln. Fuck that. Grinding. They'll paint Lincoln. Like oh, the people that rip up. him off are straight up so brazen. Yeah, I mean, and because he's so he's very popular. And his paintings are very, very expensive. His prints cost a fortune. Like, we went to that show, and you know the room with all those pencil drawings? Yeah, I was going to ask you how much. Because there were pe- sketches yeah. of the, the, the actual paintings. Which I could tell, first of all, he does this thing where he does the sketch, and then he, like, rubs a bunch of pencil on it to look, make it look older and like it was more of a yeah. piece. Because those things sell for, like, 10 grand. What? <laughs> because his paintings are, like, 250 grand. Oh, God. So and his prints are in the thousands. Like a print of his can be five, six, seven thousand bucks. Damn. Although I bought for his first show, I bought a print. It was fifty. It was either fifty or hundred bucks. It was very cheap, and it's not worth that much more. I think it's worth five hundred bucks now. That's still pretty good. Yeah, Wait, what, right. Have I seen it? That's in the garage. 
I just tossed it in the garage. I th- I, next not true. I let my friend Justin hang it up because I didn't hang it up and I felt weird being in there. So Justin has it. But it's a uh, it's okay, of at least a, someone's putting it's of a young boy it. holding a piece of meat and yeah, yeah it was called Meat Boy. So from his first show and uh, but yeah, he's ripped off like crazy. Now mm. okay, ripping people off is something all young artists do when they start. Yeah. I ripped people off when you're young and you're starting out. Who'd you rip off? Uh, I ripped off Chris Ware, okay. who does the Acme Novelty Library comics, and I ripped off Barry McGee for a little while. I ripped off... What's he known for? He's a, We're going to talk about him. He's a very oh, famous okay. graffiti artist. I ripped off, to a certain degree, Jason Hawley, a teacher I had. You could say that some of my work looked like this guy, Brian Cronin. Okay. Just like... And a lot of times when you're starting out, you're not ripping off the way these people make ideas. In especially in illustration, you're supposed to have like a style. So you see all these styles. You haven't developed your own yet. So you're just borrowing things, and you're learning at the same time. So you don't have your own line quality, or you don't have your own set of things you think are interesting yet because you're kind of young. Yeah. And like a guy like Mark Ryden, you look at that, you're like, oh shit. His paintings were full of things that are are now that he's managed to make look cool. Bees, meat, toys, Abraham Lincoln, little girls with big eyes, little boys with big eyes, animals with big eyes, the Yeti, wood. He did a whole show called The Wood Show. And so you see all the shit, and you're like, oh, fuck, that stuff looks so cool. And you're almost so attracted to it visually. You kind of can't help it for a little while. Now, a lot good artists get it out of their system in school. Shitty artists just keep fucking doing it, yeah. and they just are like they just keep ripping this person off, and you and they almost make like a career out of it because like someone like Mark Ryden is wild. If I had the money to buy his paintings, I couldn't buy them. There's a waiting list for the most part. Jeez, I mean, so if you can't afford a Mark Ryden, there's five artists that look just like him, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I like that person too. So do they kind of like they rip him off? Like blatantly is in like they'll wait for the wood show to come out and then they'll go then they'll do a wood show. I don't think it's that blatant. And the thing is, and I know this from having ripped people off, you really do convince yourself you're not really doing it. Okay. And you're like, no one can really tell. And then someone calls you on it and you get a pit in your stomach like a girl broke your heart. Because uh-huh. you're like, no. Oh. <laughs> you're like, I'm different. But it's like... So how do you convince yourself? Is it in the same way that... Like Carlos Mencia or whoever convinced himself that he's, no, it's just you parallel change thought. it. You change no, no. You change something just slightly enough. Uh-huh. So like someone instead of painting Abraham Lincoln will do George Washington. Okay, instead of a yeah. bee, they'll do a fly. Instead of a flank steak, it'll be like f- a fish fillet or some shit. Yeah. And it's just you do it to degrees and you do things just a little differently. And and you convince yourself that no one's going to notice. But you, the problem is you. A lot of when you're doing when you're a young artist, you're just trying to make stuff that looks cool, and it tends to be a little meaningless. Uh-huh. That's what rip. I think that's what most ripping off is based on. Is you see something that looks cool, but the person who made it made it from like hopefully a very personal place. So to them, everything in the paintings means something. Yeah. Whereas you just kind of aped the style. Yeah. Here's what. Here's just like bright colors or something that looks yeah. eye catching. A great example of this it. is the next artist that get ripped off a ton, the Clayton brothers. Is it actually two brothers? Yeah. So look at that. 
Have you seen stuff that looks like that around? I've seen that. Yeah, like that. I, see, I feel like I see graffiti that kind of looks the like The Clayton Brothers the are wildly inspired by Tattoo Flash, Old Tattoo Flash, Children's Books Illustration. They add a lot of type in their work. Let's actually tell the listeners what we're looking at now. Uh, it's a painting of what looks like a man with lots and lots of sweat dripping off his face. Does it, it doesn't have a name or anything? No. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a little girl in it. There is this like sort of weird creature with a tail and Mickey ears that looks as has kind of flat graphic fire coming off its hand. There's a deer with fire coming off it. Their style is very flat and graphic and what it's kind of like neo iconography. Mm-hmm. They take they're not painting a person to have it look just like a person. They're painting the representation of like a human or humanity or like a, a, a child. It's not necessarily like this looks like this kid. It's so much like the idea of childhood. Yeah. But they do it, and the styles they're using is is influenced by old tattoo flash, and kind of yeah, like the little girl outsider art, like uh-huh. more primi- primitive ways of drawing. Now they're really great at it, and they make really great paintings. They get ripped off a ton, partly because they teach at an art school. They were my professors at Art Center. Oh, really? Here's what happens. They even teach together? Yeah, they, they don't <laughs> teach together. They teach oh. separately, but I had them both. And they, so they'll be teaching a class, and artists, it, artists aren't super afraid of being ripped off. And a lot of times, you're teaching these students, and you're like, hey, well, go look at these things. Or you take them on field trips, and like, here's the stuff I like. So a lot of times, they would tell you, like, look at these old books. And it'd be the same books that they like are the same old things that they're influenced by. Yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, me too. I'm going to do this type. And the next thing you know, you're painting a snake with fire coming off it and like a sacred heart and like a hand with a, a Jesus hole in it. And you just, you inadvertently made a Clayton Brothers painting. I did it once in school. I made like a snake thing and I'm like painting. I'm like, oh, snakes are cool. And I'm painting a snake. And then I put in like a hand with the fire in it and like a teardrop. And someone's like, that looks like a Rob Clayton painting. And it absolutely fucking did. Right. And you're like, oh, man, shit. And so their names are Rob and Christian Clayton. Rob and Christian Clayton. Okay. They've been kind of L.A. mainstays for God, 10, 10, 20 years now. Like wow. I went to one of their first shows when I was just out of high school. I like it. It looks cool. They're rad. And they're super nice dudes. They're, but they, that's the thing. This is like their paintings come from like their lifestyle. They're both covered in tattoos. They're mm-hmm. both like they're from the, the like the west part of America. They're from Colorado. Like they're kind of blue collar dudes. And they this is like their trip. Whereas a lot of kids in school who would lift from it, it wasn't their fucking trip. It just looked cool. And it was a way to kind of get noticed. Yeah. And quick. It was like a quick means to make cool work. That's what sucks about ripping someone off is they spent years developing this kind of visual language that, that, that was culled from their own lives and the things they genuinely like and the, the, the parts, things that really matter to them. And the problem with someone who rips it off is they just steal it all in like a day. Yeah. Something that took them 20, 20 30 years to develop. Yeah, it's like bit like waiting for a band to release five albums and then you start a cover band. Yeah, it was like, like you didn't even Stone Temple Pilots sounded like Led Zeppelin. It's like, well, okay, yeah, of course yeah. it's that's when someone's really good at something, they kind of they've created a shorthand, but it took them forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and other painters at the time were doing stuff that's if you looked are somewhat similar to the Clayton Brothers, a guy named Manuel Ocampo, who's really good too. 
but like the Claytons are their own shit, and yeah. they get they get lifted from a ton. So, and it sucks, and it's it partially because their thing is specific because they teach. Another dude is, that I went to school with is this guy named Jeff Soto. Wow, this looks fucking cool. Jeff Soto's great. Okay, what's this one called? I don't know. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it says it says unicorn, look. so I think it's called unicorn. Okay. Yeah, but names would really help people yeah. also be able to see what we're talking about. Jeff and I went to Art Center at the same time. So it's called, one more time, Jeff Soto. Jeff Soto, S-O-T-O. And then look up Unicorn. Look up Unicorn. And now describe it a little. So. Uh, it's got, Jeff does these like boxes. He always paints like a box. Uh-huh. Or a lot of times he paints like a box with an eye in it, kind of a mystical eye. And then he'll always have these odd things kind of coming out of the box and creating these little worlds. And then he adds lots of things around it. Now, Jeff had the Clayton brothers. You can see, like, the tiniest influence there, uh-huh. just in some of the flat elements around. But Jeff was also a graffiti artist, and I see a lot of that in his work. Like, this, these kind of, like, he's got, he's got, in this unicorn one, he's got these forms that are kind of look like underwater plants, like sea, and, sea anemones or whatever they're called. Yeah. And, like, you can, the, way they're, the way they're kind of built and painted feels like type in a weird way. Like, it's thick and like it's kind of bulbous and jeff you can tell like is is influenced a little bit by animation but and graffiti art and this dude gets stolen from in a way that's so criminal so who would we have seen his where have you seen his work stolen? you've seen his okay i've seen in, like, his work popular oh there was a fucking he did a cover for the la weekly that had like a gas station machine that had like evil tentacle arms there was a goddamn commercial that looked. I, I I would bet my left hand someone yeah. stole. I mean, it's still. Hand you draw with? No. Well, bet your right hand. I bet my right hand that, that someone. Important. I mean, they literally <laughs> stole it from him. It's yeah. a fucking walking, talking gas thing wow. with tentacle arms. Like they they blatantly ripped it off. And him, it's dude. like he can't do anything about no. that. He just Ar- goes, "Well, that happened." Art advertising art directors are the filthiest thieves in the world. You heard it here. Advertising art directors. They could give a fuck. Are dirty hacks. And like, so are the copywriters, by the way. Oh, yeah. They you know, jokes. sometimes you, you see a commercial and you're like, you're like, I've seen a comic do a bit on that. No, there was a, just, just a couple weeks ago, I saw one of the guys from Giant Robot post a Giant Robot video from like five, six years ago uh-huh. and a commercial that basically stole the idea. Yeah. It was like hot air balloon something or other. It's so shitty when you see that. Yeah. But Jeff, if you've seen people, like, okay, Juxtapose puts people that steal from Jeff in their magazine and give Jeff, like, the cover. So now, why do you think they do that? I don't know. I, th- I, th- I kind of think Juxtapose's kind of, like, position in the art world is, like, their thing is, like, blue collar. Yeah. So they're about stuff that's well painted. They're about, like, painters and well-painted stuff, like, drawing, handmade shit. Yeah. So just even if you're a little derivative, if it's well made, they're kind of like, okay, that's cool. But Jeff does this thing where he would do these like almost birdhouse structures with an eye in it and then like things coming out of it. And you'll see dudes straight up just drawing the same thing, a birdhouse with a hole in it and an eye and a tentacle. And you're like, hey, dude, what the fuck is your problem? So fucking and crazy. I see that shit. I'm like, Jeff's got kids. Don't take money out of his family's mouth, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing. He, that was his shit. And he took... I remember being in school with him, and he was, he'd make these big cluster pieces, and they were great. And you would see people just stealing the, that aesthetic. 
that was his aesthetic that he had developed on his. May I you know there were other people. Okay, the the like he would do these huge cluster pieces of wood, little paintings, lots of them. Now. What's a cluster piece? Define that. Lots of little pieces all mushed together. Okay. So he would take like 20 or 30 like wood, like like various sized wood paintings and put them in one big cluster all together. It would make this kind of rad shape of okay. lots of little paintings. Now, Barry McGee has done the same thing. Lots of people have done the same thing. I know Jeff's probably a fan of Barry, but like Jeff made it his own shit and made mm-hmm. it different enough. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And But you'd see other people just straight up lift Jeff's style. And it's it's fucked up to me. Because it creates a confusion where someone will see one of his ripoffs and be like, oh, that guy Jeff Soto stealing from that dude. And you're like, no, man, it's the other way around. It's just like when I was a kid and I heard Dr. Feelgood mm-hmm. by Weird Al first. Right. And then I heard the Motley Crue version. I'm like, these motherfuckers are ripping off Weird Al. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So let's look at <laughs> next. Let's look at Barry McGee. Very famous San Francisco graffiti artist. Part of what's called the Mission School. There's two artists from the Mission School that are wildly ripped off all the time. So Barry McGee... Uh, that looks like some... And I don't mean this as you're rip, yeah, ripping yeah. it. But that looks like... If you just showed me that, I'd be like, oh, when did you draw that? I drew that in college. Yeah. <laughs> like I ripped that off in college. Right. But yeah, I have a tendency to draw... If you see stuff in like my sketchbook, uh-huh. Barry has a very simple... Not simple. His line quality is beautiful. He's mm-hmm. so good with a brush. But he got famous in the mid-90s to early 2000s. He's from what's called a mission school. He's a graffiti artist, and he was kind of the first guy. There was a huge show at the Geffen Contemporary called Art in the Streets. He's really the big gun of that scene. He's probably one of the bigger... He's probably top three artists who make the transition from graffiti to the gallery. Him, you know, Basquiat, Keith Haring. Mm-hmm. And, like, people, dudes rip off that drawing style all the time. Now, to be fair, Barry McGee's drawing style is partially influenced clearly by like comic books. Yeah. And comic strip art and like old 1950s sign painting and stuff like that. So, it's not that he's completely original top to bottom, but you'll see dudes You'll see a ton of these beard like he draws like he'll do a lawn drawing of a guy and he'll have like a beard a big beard shape. Like, drive around L.A. There's a, there's a mural on La Brea right across the street from Union and the Stussy store. Where is it just a dude ripping Barry off? Yeah. It's just a r- derivative Barry McGee artist. And you're like, come on, man. Like, this is in public. And you're near stores where people know who Barry McGee is. Yeah. Like, you just look stupid. <laughs> the sad thing is it just makes the artist look kind of dumb. But I imagine way more people don't know who Barry McGee is no. than do. So they'll drive by and go, oh, wow, that thing looks cool. Who did that? Yeah. And they'll see his little name on the side and like, oh, wow, that guy's cool. Yeah. Like I once in a sketchbook in art school was drawing something and some girl was just like, that looks like Barry McGee. And I was like, oh, damn it. I'm like, fuck. So I just kind of stopped. And I was a huge fan of his. Uh-huh. Still am. He's great. But like, and look, see this. Dri- There's a painting he did that sh- it's, I think it's at the Boston Museum. It's of a guy on his knees. He painted it on like a ton of like pieces of metal, like metal rectangles that he stuck together. Oh, yeah. And all these drips coming off of it. As soon as he got famous... Every dude was just, there were things, everything was drips. Every dude just got the drips. Drips on the reg. Yeah. And it'd just be like drips upon drips upon drips upon drips upon drips. And then you, you do a line So he drawing. made that popular? He was like one of the big dudes that did it, especially in graffiti. Because the thing in graffiti was that you, it's about having like can control and clean lines. Uh-huh. So what he, he was like, doing was, that. He, what he was doing was the opposite. And it was kind of ballsy. 
Yeah. So one of his like graffiti pieces would have millions of drips coming off mm-hmm. of it, and that was sort of like new shit at the time. I keep seeing these like Los Angeles, uh, uh, this Los Angeles graffiti will be like it'll say Los Angeles around a heart. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just be like heavy, heavy dripping. Like yeah, so the heart looks like it's like bleeding. That's Barry McGee derivative, okay. really. If you, especially in the world of graffiti. Yeah, and he's very popular, like uh, skate design derivative. A lot of people in skate design stole from him, mm-hmm. and he in the and he you know he slowly developed that style. His original style wasn't even this refined. Like I rem- he did skate design way back in the day, and he was in ju- he was in some of the early uh, issues of Juxtapose. But again, his style is so cool looking. And like you look at that head. And also, this is important. Yeah. Artists are lazy. Talent makes you lazy. And when, especially when an artist comes up with a simple way to make cool shit. Like this drawing of the head. It's a drawing of a head. It's black and red. It's on tone paper. It's basically a black line drawing of a guy, his face. And then there's red lines that make his beard. It's pretty simple. Yeah. So when someone develops a really fast way to make something look cool... That's what gets stolen the quickest because artists can make shit quick. So like that, the way he's drawing the beard is like kind of cloud shaped. You can do that. That whole drawing takes because less. Because the than, only people lazier than talented ones are untalented ones. Or just like <laughs> it's, it's, so it's a combination of the two laziness. You get to make something in an hour. I remember once I was in a group show with Barry and the Clayton brothers. And yeah. we were st- he paints those heads on bottles. I have one. Yeah, and so and Rob was like, "Man, I wish I could paint a head on a bottle and get nine hundred bucks." <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, we'd all wish that," but he came up with it, so we don't get to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's when the bottles were nine hundred dollars. Now they're five thousand dollars. Holy shit! And he like, but yeah, he developed this simple. He makes really rad work, and uh, some of it is simple. Some of it's really complex. So you're influenced, but this is one of the guys you're influenced by. For yeah, especially in my early. If you look at some of my older. I don't even know where you'd find it, but my, that, I mean, I really look at that and go, "Oh, that reminds me of." I wasn't sure whether that was yours or. See, his. I don't even know what you've seen that you think looks like that. Like, I don't think I've looked like that in a really long time. Maybe just like the eye. I draw. I like drawing people's eyelids. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's like the. This is like the worst thing we're doing right now. No, we're just it. describing something no one can see. <laughs> um, you're gonna have to put this picture on. Yeah, I'll on put this will be the yeah. one I put. The, so. This is on Instagram right now on Kevin yeah. G. Kevin G. Christie. Yeah. It's on his Instagram. I'll figure out a way to make so a collage. So you can stop losing your minds. What the fuck are these guys looking at? <laughs> yeah. But like the eyelids. The, 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 the like wrinkles bag, under the, Yeah, the wrinkles. And the way the mouth kind of looks. Not the whole thing, but little elements. Well, the way he draws people, he makes them look kind of awkward. Yeah. And I similarly like people that look awkward yeah so yeah totally so yeah in that sense it does i'm getting super defensive i know i know (laughs) (laughs) which is fine but yeah it's i was a big fan of his and i probably like almost subconsciously can look like him sometimes Mm -hmm. just because he's a dude that i like so like a lot of times i'll make something and i'll be like oh that accidentally came out a lot like him so i'll just have to scrap it and start over yeah but, like, and a, you know, there's a long tradition of copying, like, in the old, old days, like, Renaissance, you co- master copies. So there were all these painters that were, like, known as, like, the school of this person because they learned literally from either copying that guy or from that person directly. Mm-hmm. So your paintings just look like that guy. They're, yeah. like, they're like Raphaelites or they're the school of Caravaggio, and they literally just paint like that dude. But was dude. it back then, was there any real need to be original and groundbreaking, or was it just you're getting commissioned by a church... 
It, but if you were original and groundbreaking, you were the guy getting commissioned by the big church, whereas uh-huh. the, it, you were getting better commissions. Okay. Yeah. So Barry's been ripped off a ton by uh, Urban Outfitters. <laughs> steals from this dude on the reg. Yeah. Uh, graphic design. Fuck you, Urban Outfitters. Graphic designers steal from Barry McGee all the time. Uh, surf design, skate design, mu- motion graphics designers steal from Barry all the time. Mm-hmm. Especially some of this, he does geometric color shape stuff he gets stolen from. Okay, the next dude that gets ripped off on the reg is very famous artist named Donald Batchelor. Never heard of him. Okay, look at that. It's a painting of a flower. There's lots of weird texture in the back. It's kind of a, a direct and kind of simplistic way he painted the flower. But yeah. like you look, I look at that and I see the kind of almost stuff you can buy at like Bed Bath & Beyond. Again, oh, yeah. Urban Outfitters. Kind of like home stores where you can like buy a print and it's twenty dollars or whatever. Absolutely, like that would be something Bed Bath and Beyond would put in a frame and then be like perfect for your bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Now Donald Bachelor has been doing this forever. I define forever. Sixties, seventies. Like oh, he's, wow. he's probably sixty. He so may be forever. close to seventy years old. This is another one of his. It's a skull. Oh, that's super cool. Painted similarly, but like again, he so he paints really direct it's like heavy line the drawings are kind of simple and but it's they're really interesting and just kind of like lively like they really jump off the canvas now but and he has like these interesting textures and stuff collage in the background but if you look at it it's clearly an easy style to steal mm-hmm. like you're like oh i just paint a simple thing like i i just make the background interesting and cover it in shit and make it kind of dirty and then I do a really simple kind of black and white painting on top with like too much paint and it's kind of messy and direct and that makes it like lively and interesting and kind of punk. Yeah. And he's been doing it forever, but I see this I see this style not only ripped off by other painters, but just like garbage home decor stuff all the time. God, that's gonna be so frustrating. And he's famous. Like his small paintings are, you know, a, a, a foot by a one foot by one foot Donald Bachelor was like ten thousand dollars like ten years ago. Wow! Like his paintings are in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's a huge, wildly famous artist in lots of museums. Good lord! Now there were other painters before him or at the same time that were doing this kind of direct thing, like Philip Philippe Gustin and people like that. But he was the dude, and the, like you know, I don't know how he came to this style or where he found it or what influence, but it was like. He does it like this is kind of his shit. So like to to just jump in and like lift that, like he does all these cool paintings of like beach balls, yeah, just like a beach ball, a really simple big big ass painting of a beach ball, and the painting's like super textured and rad, and like a or like a big gnarly looking flower shape, and they're rad. And but you see people stealing it. So what's this style? All the time. His, what's this style called? Uh. I mean, like if you saw that in a gallery or whatever, you'd be like, "What? What kind of art is this?" I mean, it's paint. It's it's painting. It's representational, but I think it's called. I forget what it's fucking called. It's like faux naive or something like that. Because right. he's like painting really simplistically. It's sort of influenced by outsider art. Okay. Outsider art are people that like had no training. Routinely, they're like, you know, they made weird religious art and they just like, it's, it's simple and kind of iconographic, like simplified versions of things. Yeah. But yeah, he's a dude that is stolen from a ton. And it's also, the biggest shame is when you see it make its way into like 
gar- like like versions of that where you're like at Bed Bath and Beyond, yeah. or if you're like, God damn it, that's just a fucking yeah, Donald you trip Bachelor over stand. one at IKEA. Like yeah, you're just like, dude, this sucks. Like, oh. Yeah, um, the best way to look at art is with good eyesight, you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you don't have the right glasses, uh, you don't have the right eyesight. We have an ad. You're hearing it right now. Fuck yeah. It's for, you've heard us say before, they've, they've, the good folks at Warby Parker are back in our lives, and they want us to tell you. I wear spectacles on my face. So do I. I can't see without them. I can. Okay. Nick, <laughs> if Whether you're a poser or genuinely blind, <laughs> uh, glasses are a fortune. The glasses I have on my face right now are a total ripoff, <laughs> but yeah. they're the only ones I could find that look like I wanted them to look. They're a ripoff. Glasses shouldn't cost as much as a damn iPhone. And Warby Parker kind of solves that problem. Instead, they take out the middleman. So all you do, you go to their website, you look at glasses you want, they mail them to you. Mm-hmm. They'll send you five pairs, up to five pairs, which you get to keep in your life for 10 days. You get to try them on. Here's the thing about glasses. Put them on and show them to the people in your life, especially if you have a girlfriend or a yeah. wife or a boyfriend. Like or a hypercritical friend that just loves to tell you you look like shit or not. Totally. Yeah, they, these it. are the people that got to look at your stupid face. Yeah. So they show them what it's going to look like. Yeah. Make your face less stupid with Warby Parker glasses. That literally is you a know? decent thing. Like their non-prescription, their prescription, pol- or they have non-prescription polarized sunglasses for ninety-five bucks, one hundred forty-five bucks if titanium, and the prescription polarized sunglasses are one hundred fifty, one ninety-five. For titanium, that's not expensive that's at all. That's cheap as shit. Their prescription lenses, uh, uh, ninety-five bucks. That's re- that's lenses and glasses, ninety-five dollars. Titanium collections, one hundred forty-five bucks. Anyone who buys glasses with prescriptions knows that's cheap as hell. Yeah. So, like we said, they send them to you. You have them for five days, or you five pairs for ten days. The way to get them is go to warbyparker.com forward slash awesome that's our promo code is forward slash awesome don't forget to use that promo code none of this backslash bullshit it's forward slash warbyparker.com forward slash awesome they will put glasses on your face and you'll look cool when you go to art galleries because if you walk in an art gallery with art without glasses guess what you don't they charge you double they charge you double (laughs) you don't belong you're not going to meet any girls (laughs) and that's you're going to meet any boys either back to art so we're done talking about Donald Batchelor. He's a baller. Rich. I don't feel as bad for people that get ripped off a lot when they're super, super rich. Jeff Soto's still a young artist. I'm sure he does well, but he's, he, you know, he's not super rich yet. Mm-hmm. The next artist we're going to look at, one of my favorites. This guy is a, not only a great artist, but a brilliant graphic designer. Uh, Jeff McFetridge. He did the title sequence for Where the Wild Things Are. Oh. He did the title sequence for Virgin Suicides. The dude is the shit. He does simplified line-driven art that are usually like visual metaphors or like a visual pun. There's usually like a trick. They're kind of surrealist in a way. Yeah. In that like, okay, we're looking at a a simple, I say simple, but it's actually not. They're really just beautiful and refined. It's like a half, like a silhouette of a head, arm coming out of the eye, legs coming out of the mouth that are then standing on a skateboard. Yeah, and it looks like it looks like the head. It also looks like the body. Yeah, it, yeah, it's cool. He always like combines two. He all regularly combines two things perfectly. Dude is legit smart. I also run into him at Starbucks, and we're we sort of are acquaintances. So I feel cool. Uh, he's done skateboard designs. He has a company called Champion Graphics. 
He's done a ton of cool t-shirts. Have you ever seen the t-shirt that says, I'm rocking on your dime, and it's got a bear holding a drink? No, that sounds cool. That was him. He did. His <laughs> art got used for a Pepsi campaign that had these like weird... He, he does these like Bigfoot-shaped people, Yeah, like a Yeti, like a colorful-looking Yeti, and he's stolen from by other designers and other artists all the time. I want to look up this Yeti. Look, it's like, look up Jeff McFetridge, Pepsi. You saw it. There were billboards. And it was cool because it was weird. It was like, oh, a weird Pepsi campaign. This one, we again, this will be on. Yeah, he'll be on Instagram. On on Kevin's Instagram. But yeah, the the spelling of this name is fucking crazy. It's it's G-E-O-F-F. Which no Jeff should ever spell his name that way. That's how my brother spells it. Um, He is wrong. (laughs) McFetridge, M-C-F-E-T-R-I-D-G-E. Wow, what a name. I call him Jeffy McEffy. I think that's funny. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but Jeff the thing Mc... about Jeff that makes him better than the people that rip him off is his visual metaphors are super smart. And they're just like, they're so simplified. They're simple and complex at the same time. And a lot of people just rip off the fact that the simplicity. So they just do like a simplified drawing of a hand with an eye in it. And it's just not as good he does it all the time. And he went to art school with my friend Brett and Tracy. He's Canadian. And according to them, he was rad the entire time. They're like, oh, yeah, we'd be sitting, like, doing our assignments, and Jeff would be sending off art for that was already going on, like, snowboards and shit. Jesus. Like, dude's been good for a long time. Wow. And so, but a lot of people just kind of rip off his style. Now, Jeff went to CalArts. He had a professor named Edward Fella. Edward Fella. Now, this style, if you look at it, is kind of, it's it's reminiscent of like 1960s schoolhouse rock style illustration almost. Edward Fella was kind of a guy who pioneered that back then, 60s, 70s, early 80s. And Jeff had him as a teacher. I think Jeff was influenced a lot by him. But again, if you looked at both their work, you wouldn't you wouldn't mistake one for the other. They actually did a book together. Uh, called like two lines something that's really really good. I actually bought it twice. <laughs> Why twice? Because I got worried I'd lost it when I moved, so oh, I, I have it twice. And uh, they they they're both Ed Fell is a genius. I met him once. He has these amazing sketchbooks, and Jeff is a genius also. And it's just like when you look at Jeff's work, you don't you don't mistake it for Ed's work, but you can tell they like were friends. <laughs> yeah. And like Ed, all, there was also a guy named Kevin Lyons. That I think went to school with them at the same time, who would just like their trip is just like very direct, refined line work that like they do a lot, they get a lot done with a little. It's like efficient. So, like, there's not a lot of that drawing of the guy standing on the skateboard is simple, but it's also fucking dope. It looks like it looks almost so simple that I, with next to no drawing ability, look at it and go, oh, I could do that. Yeah. But it's like I couldn't come up with that, but. Like, just looking at the legs and the shoes, there's, like, no detail on the shoes. There's no laces. There's no, No. like, you know, stitching or any of that. So it looks like, oh, that's not hard to draw. Yeah. But also, the the thing about drawing stuff, and this is a scientific fact, is the the simpler you make something, the more humans identify it because it allows them to put more of themselves in the thing. So you look at that face. The yeah. face next to it, there's a giant head with little legs sticking out of it. It's like someone's holding one of those giant Mardi Gras head masks, and it's uh-huh. just a dude walking. 
the more simple a head is, you look at that, and instead of thinking that's a dude, a specific person, you think of it as like the notion of humanity or the notion of a man. You and I are both men. I yeah. think uh, you probably look at that and you look at the part in the hair, and you're like, "That's me, dude." Yeah. And that's his strength. A lot of people try to do that and just aren't. They're just not as good at it. But he and he, but he gets people trying to steal from him all the time. Because again, it's you can do it quickly. It's not as good. You can do it quickly and be like, oh, I made a drawing. I made you know another drawing. who he drawing. stole from? Who? The natives from Easter Island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, briefly, I'll stop and talk about, I, I, I'm talking like I don't rip people off. I do. Who, who do you rip off? I rip off a lot of people. The, the, thing, the thing to do is, A, rip off a lot of people at once. So no one has so this confusion. Yeah. Like you no don't, one knows exactly. The mistake who. in stealing it, or being influenced is just by a person. So you can nail it down. So wait, there's a difference though between being influenced and ripping off. Kinda, or no? Kind of. Depends on how much you're in. If you, there's, like a, there's like a line. If you're influenced too much, it becomes you're just ripping that right, person right, off. Yeah. But I had a teacher, and I forget his name. He wasn't, a good, he wasn't that great of a professor. But he said something really smart where he was like, if you like the way Vermeer paints, that doesn't mean you should go paint like Vermeer. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you like about it. So like, okay, I clearly like Barry McGee's line quality. Yeah. So I should try to develop my own line quality that's good. I shouldn't steal Barry McGee's line quality. I like Jeff McFetch- I like the way Jeff McFetchers comes up with simple. His, his, his work, is, it does a lot of work simply and it's direct and, it, and you get it and, it, and, it, and it's effective but it also it's metaphorical so it gives you more to think about for a long time yeah it's not just it, there's there's the first read of it and but then there's more to think about past that it's symbolic and smart so instead of like just stealing the things he does where i sh- instead of making an arm pop out of an eye like he does it's like think in ter- try to think in terms of visual metaphor there's a dude i'm gonna pull him up but he's a guy that i inadvertently stole from all the time uh i forgot to get a picture but um yeah jeff, if once you look at jeff mcfedrich's work you'll see people lifting it all the time and it's unfortunate because he's really really good and but i imagine he's expensive so like other companies want to like go on the cheap uh artist that was one of my professors and i'm a huge fan of and i would get but and, and i went through probably a, a legit embarrassing phase of stealing from him is jason holly like that would be something that reminds me just now i jason holly is very uh he's a successful illustrator and artist he makes really good smart shit he's his strength is the his his visual metaphors are smart so the illustration we're looking at has like half a bird. Oh, that thing is so fucking cool. Yeah, it has half a bird, and and then it, the painting kind of cuts in half, and then the rest of the bird's body is a skeleton. I believe this illustration was about Hurricane Katrina. Uh-huh. And he comes up with these simple kind of poetic metaphors. What was that done on? Uh, he does that on illustration board. He then he does the painting, I believe, in acrylic, and then rubs like black oil paint on it, and that's how you get the dirty effect. Yeah, because the lower half looks like it was done on on wood. Yeah, I kind of like it maybe it may have been done on wood, but like he gets the effect by like rubbing things on top of the paint and stuff. Hope it, you know, hopefully he's not bummed when I'm telling people how he does it. But uh-huh. again, again, and this is interesting. There was a dude. Now I, I don't know. That I've ever been, and a friend, Brett, my friend, turned me on to Jason Holly, the art director that I've worked for, for doing stuff for the Kings of Leon. And one time I was like, yeah, I go, I did an illustration. I go, 
I go, yeah, it's sort of like Jason Holly. He goes, what do you mean? I go, it's like Jason Holly. He goes, you mean smart? <sighs> and I go, well, I guess he goes, yeah, dude, you're not like using his imagery. You're not doing the bird thing, but like you've come up with like a, a simple, smart visual metaphor. You can say that's like Jason Holly, but it's just like. It's like a lot of artists. I it's see. like a lot of artists, hopefully. Yeah. But like occasionally I'll do a thing with the tree. I mean, isn't a lot, a lot of art visual. Visual metaphors, metaphors but yeah. Not all of it's obviously smart. A good one liner. You know, like that's right. what that's what it is. Now, like Jason, there was a dude, <laughs> and I'm not gonna say his name, but there was a dude who went to school with me, and he graduated and got a illustration into like a periodical. That was so much like Jason. It was like, dude, what the fuck's your problem, man? Yeah. Like it was the same thing where it was like a deer cut in half and then like skeleton, and it was like, come on, bro, or like you know, made a metaphor with the antlers or some shit, and yeah. it was like. He had. I know he had. He had Jason as a professor. So did I. And we all thought he was real good. And it's you wanna. You're just like I think you're so good. I think you're so good. I, and you kind of like can't get it out of your head. And the next thing you know, you're just like I want to make something cool. I want to make something cool. And you just you do a thing that he's done, and you hope no one calls you on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like unfortunate, but this it's would be hard. This is one of those things that seems like it would be hard. To rip off and not seem incredibly obvious. Yeah, and also the ripoffs are never as good as the original person. Uh-huh. Like he doesn't take the time. Jason does all this sweet stuff with collage and all, makes all these interesting marks. And like, you know, it looks like he got in a fight with this with this painting, <laughs> and that's what makes it so cool. In fact, uh, anecdote about him is he t- as a I guess one time his like book you would send your book to art directors to try to get work, and it was open and it was at a record label, and Bob Dylan walked by and was like, "That's cool." Wow, the end. That's the pretty end. bomb. <laughs> Dylan approves. Yeah, he's so he's a guy that I you could pro if you want to like look at this my is, yeah. I'll really post this cool. on Instagram, then you can look at the rest of my Instagram, and you can see if I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll cop to like because he was a big influence on me. Like I did independent studies with him, and like I had a bunch of his classes, and I just he was like my dude in art school. Yeah, you I know, really like this. He's rad. He's does really he have rad. showings in L.A. ever? Yeah, he does. I would totally go to and one like, of And like, he makes really good zines now. Mm-hmm. He makes these like cool color zines. He's, his work's actually changed a lot, and his new work is fucking great. I got one of the, a collage at his last show, and it's just the thing about his art that I like is, is he it, expensive? No, he's reasonable. Oh, cool. And the thing, I mean, yeah, if you want to hire him, I don't think it's cheap. But like, no, no I'm saying like, if I went to his show and I'm like, oh, I'd like to buy, a yeah, you can. Print it's or a, it's like affordable stuff, and okay, uh, it just looks like. Man, it looks like he really gets after it, and it's like there's a lot of thought involved, and it's like aggressive but also refined at the same time. It has a great feel of like you feel it feels like punk and smart and like subversive, and just like it gets in there. It's good shit. Yeah. Uh, this next that's person, the most excited one you've talked about so far. He was the other there. ones. You're like, I like this guy. He's really talented. He's really cool. But this one, you had a emotion behind it. He Jason was a big. I'm not gonna bullshit that dude. He was a big part of my art school life. And a, just a big part of my artistic thing. He he really held me accountable to like being good and being mm-hmm. smart. Like he wouldn't let me get away with shit. Yeah. And he was just like, "Come on, man." You know, like he could tell I was really serious and after it. And I just I worked with him a lot in school. So he sat you down. and He was like, "Stop stealing from me." <laughs> <laughs> I think at one time I was like, "Dude, this I just ripped this off from you." And right, he right. told me about a guy that he. He was like, I had a really embarrassing moment. And I, when I was in school, where I, there was a guy I ripped off really hard. Yeah. This dude named Henrik Drescher, right. who's a f- really famous dude. 
And he was like, that I got busted. sounds like an artist's name. Oh, Henry Dresher. Dresher. Great. Jason Holly sounds like a skateboarder. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Holly skateboards. And, of but course. He, and he was like, you know, we all do it. It's just some in-school shit. So don't, it's yeah. like, just work through it. Like, move past it, you know? This next dude is stolen from a ton. So look at that. And what is that? Where do you think you've seen shit like that? Um, that looks like a, a multicolored white stripes. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's it called? It's an abstract painting of basically a spectrum shape of rainbow colors. So it's just like, you know, it, it starts in the middle. It's lots of bands of color shooting out in a circular motion. The other one is an abstract painting. It's kind of in the shape of a mountain and it's lots of flat color triangles and it's just basically an abstract shape. The artist is Chris Johansson. Chris Johansson is the shit. He also, San Francisco, contemporary with Barry McGee, like mm-hmm. came up at the same time, showed in a lot of the same places. They're part of what's called the Mission School. I forget if I mentioned that already. There's another yeah. artist who, in there who's great named Alicia McCarthy, mm-hmm. part of the Mission School. And Chris Johansson is like, a, he's kind of like neo-psychedelic in a weird way. He, he's very much about like, I don't want to mess this up, but like transcendental meditation and about like, head trips and i think he did a lot of drugs at one point it's just about like that makes sense looking at good this. energy bad energies and he if especially in san francisco the art school kids up there and the local artists up there are stealing from this dude like it is their job yeah because For again some it probably is now <laughs> yeah it is because again it's not you're like oh i just get i just get every color which is makes it easy so i don't have to pick a color i get to use all of them mm-hmm. i actually I was uh I am a culprit in ripping this dude off. I don't oh. know that Yeah, I guess I got it from him. But I was doing things with just all, I was trying to use all the colors at once and a guy I one of my first shows in San Francisco was at Jack Hanley Gallery which shows Chris Johansson also. Right. And the guy Jack, first of all the guy who ran the gallery Jack Hanley is a total hippie, so I think he liked any kind of art that was like hippie art. So the fact that I was kind of using the rainbow as a thing, just as the rainbow spectrum, I was aware of Chris Johansson and tried to stay away from looking like him as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But I also really loved his work, and I probably occasionally tread upon what I would declare some of his territory. (laughs) Is there any examples of that on, like, your Instagram or anything? Uh, Definitely on... If you just Google image me and go back far enough, you'll see some paintings with some rainbows in it. Here we go. Three days ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you Google image of me, some early 2000 shit shows up. Okay. And it's just now, again, I was also looking at old, uh, uh, older work by, let's say, Donald Batchelor and Philip Guston and dead painters. You know, like. Yeah. By the way, for everyone Googling, uh, make sure to Google Kevin Christie art, not yeah. just Kevin Christie, because then it'll just be just like a boring, bunch of headshots and boring pictures of me and that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and like, but yeah, the rainbow spectrum was a very popular motif in the early 2000s. Yeah, and I also partook in that motif. It was there was a mo- there was kind of a movement, this like beautiful losers art in the streets movement that I was like tangentially a part of at the kind of the edges yeah showing it in galleries like new image and jack hanley and places like that and uh yeah i'm not gonna lie i think chris johansson is a shit and some of my paintings were probably parts of them were like a tiny bit lifted from him because i was i was a, a fan 
This is an example of like, remember when we went to, to LACMA mm-hmm. and we saw stuff like this, just abstract, like here are three boxes and they're yeah. different shape, you know, different sizes. And then there's like a couple of like bright colors in the background. Uh-huh. Like I, I look at that stuff and I go, I mean, yeah, that like if they sold that at Ikea, I'd be like, that would look fine in a bathroom. Yeah. The prob- like, to me, and the I thing, get nothing from this. The thing about abstraction is it is the easiest thing to rip off uh-huh. because it's just flat color fields yeah i've seen people this this painting on the left that's just geometric shapes in the like triangles that form kind of a mountain shape i've seen people just do that exact same shit Mm -hmm. and it's the same shape it's just a different shape so it's not it's not his painting yeah some of it looks cooler than you know other i don't look at all of it like that that's nothing yeah some of it looks cool but for me most of this stuff is like Oh, that would like brighten up a room yeah. or something. I the never go with, like, oh. The thing with Chris Johansson is when you go to his shows, he, it's, not just like, it's not just paintings. He builds these big ass sculptural structures out of wood mm-hmm. and they all kind of link together. They form these like big massive things and you're walking around and there's also like words involved. Like he did this really great little drawing. It was so rad. I wanted to buy it, but it was expensive. It was just a white piece of paper. It had the silhouette of a person in blue and the silhouette of a person in red. And one of them said, strategy is my whole life. And the other one said, strategy is my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. And you're like, dude, that's so fucking good. Yeah. But Chris Johansson's really famous. He was in, he's been in the Whitney Biennial. These paintings are very expensive. So that drawing on a eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper of just a blue guy, a tiny blue guy that was a size. Both both paintings of the men were about the size of a two tic tacs on top of each other. What? And it was a thousand bucks. You've got to be kidding. No man. But Chris, I mean, Chris Johansson's heavily influential to painters on kind of, especially in California, West Coast, especially right. San Francisco, Portland. Any place Stumptown Coffee is popular, uh-huh. pe- kids are ripping off Chris Johansson. And right. I will totally cop to being one of them at one time in my... Have you found anything that looks like him? No. Really? You got to go pretty deep. The thing is, I got... I kind of worked my way through it in like 2002 or three. So yeah, well, there's some art, but then it's just a lot of pictures of like... Yeah, it sucks. Google imaging. comedians or... Google like, imaging me is a bummer. Yeah, it's very mixed, mixed results. Look, Renaissance man, that's what you get. <laughs> um, is that who are we? Are we done? Oh no! Okay, last. This is that was Chris Johansson. Stop ripping him off. He's rad. And that's the thing. Chris is. I don't. I've met him a few times. I don't know that we're on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. But that's his life. He is like a. He's on some other level, abstract thinking, transcendental hippie stuff. Yeah. And I, when I say hippie, I don't. I don't mean that derogatory at all. That's not Grateful good, Dead hippie. Maybe partially, but there's good shit. I mean, I think that's... I'm into that stuff. I'm trying to get more into that. I think that gives you a happier life. Whereas just like we're all energy and good energies and bad energies and positive thinking and realization. Like that's his trip for real. It's not just aesthetic. Uh-huh. So like the rain... I mean, it's, if you're making art like that, it's got to be. That's the thing. For, it for, should for be. real for you. It should be. So when he paints the rainbow spectrum, like that's about some like... Thinking about that, thinking about light energy on some level or color energy, that's what good abstraction is. It's about the properties of color and, and the property, what a color makes you feel and standing in front of it. The vi- I mean, color has like an, a literally electric, vi- electromagnetic vibration. So what does a color, what, how does that vibration affect your electromagnetic vibrations? And when that shit's done right, that shit works and it matters. And mm-hmm. just to steal the aesthetic of it cheapens it. 
Because when he does it, it's more than that. And you and I know that because I've looked at his work for over a decade, fifteen Where do you years. See him ripped off the most. Graphic designers, t-shirt shit. Right. Uh, Ur- I mean, dude, the level of ripped off he is in Urban Outfitters is crazy. It's like that. That's where you can find any cool artist being ripped off. They, the, like. the people, or clothing designers, the people that design the store installations at Urban Outfitters rip off from artists all the time. They, there have been lawsuits. Yeah. They steal people all. They steal Tim Biscop style. They steal uh-huh. people style all the time. Tim Biscop gets ripped off a ton. But last dude I want to look at is Ed Ruscha. Very famous, very very famous, wildly famous in museums. We're looking at one of his paintings called Sin, which is the word Sin on top of a canvas that has it's it's black and white and gray. And it's got clouds in the background. And then just this very simple painting that says idea on just what's probably a gray canvas. And it says idea in white. Ed Ruscha uh, got kind of big in the 60s, maybe 50s, 60s, 70s. But he is one of the big dudes. He's, first of all, L.A. artist, which was hard to get famous back then. because the, the Yeah, the scene was mostly New York. He's, he's probably... He's probably he's he's top three biggest LA. He might be the biggest LA artist. Like him and Raymond Pettibone, they're, they're, he's a big deal, especially out here. Every if you go to a billionaire's house in Beverly Hills, they have an Ed Ruscha, at least really? a print, yeah, a print or a painting. And what he gets what gets stolen from him a ton is just this notion of a simple painting with just a word, with giant like type, yeah, yeah, like almost that that fucking keep calm and carry on shit, like oh, that poster. Yeah. That to me is derivative of Ed Ruscha. Like this, the notion like of the, like the ideal one looks like the beginning of an Apple commercial. Yeah, so that's where they got that. Oh, motion graphics designers are uh. ripping him off on the reg. Like it's and it's it's bullshit because <laughs> he when he does it the no the I think what he's trying to do and I don't know, dude. And I don't I try not to read a lot about art because I think it kind of I like to just try to feel it and see what what actually responds. Right. <laughs> I want to stand in front of it and come to my own decision. I don't need no, no, some yeah, I know. nerd telling me what to do. And you So stand, the listener should stop listening now. No, <laughs> go make saying. go make your own decisions. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's just like he he put he put like the just a simple word against the thing and you gotta stand there and be like, What the fuck is this dude mean with this shit? See, it's an, this is another example of like the one I can't remember his name now, but with the 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 skateboard mm-hmm. and uh, and just a simple line drawing. Yep. It's one of those. This is another case. If you look at it and you go, oh, I can do that. Yeah, and imagine, like it doesn't look hard. Now imagine if you could draw, you'd be like, oh shit, I could yeah. do that today. Yes, and then lie and say I didn't. Okay, when I was in school, I made this a couple drawings of people with and then flat graphic circles over them. And I had a teacher go, oh, you're clearly being influenced by John Baldessari. And I was like, I don't know who that is. He was like, uh-oh. He's like, go look him up, dude. Yeah. And I went and looked him up, and he did the exact same thing. So I just had to stop. Yeah. But, like, I think some lazy-ass artists look at this, and they're like, well, an Ed Ruscha original is like a million dollars or a half million dollars. Holy shit. Now, if I make a crap one, I could maybe get $1,000. Wow. And $1,000 to me is a lot. So uh-huh. they just steal it. They just make a paint, and you know what they do is like he'll put the word "sin" on top of painting, which maybe is hard to sell because "sin." Whew. So, like a wimp artist will do the same thing, but they'll put love. Love, yeah. <laughs> they'll put hold. They'll put more yeah, positive yeah, yeah. words on it because they don't even have the guts to say something gnarlier. Yeah, <laughs> and like that, 
it that it bastardizes what he was doing. And it's just it's just not as good. But he gets stolen from a ton. It's in design a lot. Movie posters. Mm-hmm. Like the way like he'll put words over this her face. Would... That being Joaquin Phoenix one, that, that Joaquin Phoenix documentary, the poster looked like Ed Ruscha. Yeah. Cause he does lots of it's very like the background's very kind of smooth and kind of sky like and it almost the, looks like a uh, a photograph. Yeah. And the then cloud the, for the And then one? the type will kind of jump at out out at you and stands flat. So it's something flat against something that looks kind of deep. And How old is the Sin one? Uh, it's probably not that old. It's probably the last 20 or 30 years. Because that looks like something now that you could do in Photoshop. It is. And is done in Photoshop. Someone's doing it in Photoshop right now. Yeah. But he, that was, he painted that. Yeah, he painted it. Oh, one of his assistants painted it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's a big time artist. So, like, you know, he's got... Like I, that's a, when you get famous too. When you get, especially if you want to make money, the goal should be if you get famous for making simple paintings. Holy shit, you can make money fast. So the guy who painted, let's say his assistant painted this, and he wore, let's say he worked for him for like five years, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "I'm out of here. I'm gonna go do my own thing." Can he down the line be like, "Oh, I worked for Ed Roche and kind of say like, "I painted." This, that, and that. Like it was obviously his everyone, idea. Everyone knows that guys like that have assistants, so you don't get. You're not going to get really far. So it's doing like that. you're a ghostwriter. Yeah, you're just okay. like they're like, duh, stupid. Okay, like yeah. we know they don't paint it, but that's not what you're you're buying in the art world. Sells this so perfectly, and it's it's you're buying the genius of the artist. Right. So the the rationale. Okay, the Sistine Chapel. Everyone loves uh. Michelangelo had 300 assistants. Of course, yeah. Took him. I forget how many years. A lot. Four yeah. or five years. Something like that. And uh, without, without Michelangelo, you don't get the Sistine Chapel. Without the assistance, it just takes longer. Mm-hmm. So without Ed Ruscha's assistance, you still get the painting. There's just less paintings. Yeah, it's like being an architect, but then hiring a construction company to build a building. Exactly. Yeah. So that's After the a certain level in your yeah. career. Like, a lot of yeah. assistants will say they were part of... I mean, it's kind of... If you can get into being an assistant for a really big artist, it helps. Like my friend yeah. Taylor McKimmons who he worked for Donald Batchelor. Mm-hmm. Donald Batchelor saw his art and was like, you're rad, come work for me. And Taylor would like prepare the canvases and like, you know, take pictures and things like that and like, yeah. you know, work for him. And Taylor's work doesn't look like Donald's work, but I know working for Donald like opened doors for him and met people. Okay. I was like, usually these artists will hire as assistants good artists because it's a break it's like being a writer's assistant on a show mm-hmm. and you got to be kind of a good writer and because you it's a way to move up you know what i mean yeah yeah but yeah uh donald bachelor gets i'm mean, uh, sorry ed Ruscha gets stolen from all the time because again it's a simple way to make ostensibly an interesting image you just like do some class. this is another thing you'd see at ba- uh, bed bath and beyond as well or oh yeah Ikea. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah just a word yeah, like the love thing, like that would be sold at IKEA. No, you put like a, a picture of like just a field, and you just write rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I could do it all day, and some people do, and it's a shame. <laughs> it's got to be so infuriating that like your hard work and your your art has been turned into like a bathroom portrait well as i feel like it must just as long as you're okay he's wildly successful so i think what happens is at first it's very annoying yeah and you're like god damn it but a lot of times something gets so big as far as it being ripped off people start to wonder where it came from 
And right, then right. eventually they find out, and they hopefully get educated, and they're like, oh, you fuckers have just been stealing from Ed Roger this whole time. Uh-huh. You know, like, hopefully people... Sadly, though, the furthest people go with when they're walking around Ikea, and they're like, you know what, honey, we need something for the bedroom. What yeah. do you? And then they go look at the stuff, and they go, well, there's a lot of stuff. That's cool. That's cool. And then they do this. They go... God, I wonder who comes up with this stuff. Anyway, let's just take the one that says rest and get out of here. Well, the truth is, those people don't love art a lot. They're yeah. not gonna. Well, so, I mean, anyone that does love art is not buying their art from Ikea to begin with. It's the same thing with comedy. Is you, usually, you get in liking a person, and you find out who, who were the other people. But yeah. most of those people, they're not going to like art anyways. Yeah. So the hope is that the people that like stuff is if you see one of these derivative artists, and then you look at more shit... And then you just start to look at the year. Like, I, I noticed, I picked up a Jeff McFetrich book one time, and you just looked at the years he was doing this shit. And, like, I bought the book maybe in 2008, and then you looked, it was a book of his art, and you looked somewhere, you're like, shit, that dude was doing this in 1998. Yeah. And now everyone's ripping it off just now. So, you, hopefully, you just look at when people were doing stuff, and it just tells you, like, why you should just, you know, if you're only, this is only for if you're interested in art stuff. Is you wanna you wanna like go to the source and figure out who was doing some stuff first. It seems like a really easy way to get into to find out about other artists because sometimes yeah. I go, oh, I like this style of art, but I'm like, where the fuck do I go seek that out or you know learn more about it or find similar artists? But like, yeah, finding seeing the one thing and going, oh, and now with you know. Google. <laughs> you can just Dude, Amazon. If you buy a book by Chris Johansson, mm-hmm. if one of Chris Johansson's art books, it'll be like, people that bought this also like this. Yeah, that's another And it'll one. be other painters that maybe came before him or are of the same, you know, and that's just a way to learn. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's only, it, it's just, I, I you're going to like like art better the more you learn about it. And then if you like these people, there are inexpensive versions of things to buy of these artists at every level. You can buy an Ed Ruscha poster or a print that's just less limited edition mm-hmm. you know there's museum posters of his work that are less expensive that's a gr- the, one of the great the greatest things to collect is museum exhibition posters because they make a poster for all these big shows and it's like 25 bucks and eventually those get worth money too like the ones from is the there, 60s and 70s of these guys art they only made a, they only make like a thousand or two thousand <coughs> right. and they're cheap and, and that they, show only happened once. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. hey, I went to this show. I got this cool poster. Like, those are cool things to collect. Mm-hmm. There are inexpensive versions of every artist that, that you can get. And the more you get educated, the you can find the good shit. Yeah. But yeah, ripping people off is something that every artist does. But the goal is to work through it and find your own shit. We're all victims of it. I mean, I've, I've probably... Every artist I show, I, I'm bringing up in this podcast... I have probably at one point or another lifted something small from. But again, yeah, if you're yeah. going to rip people off, I'll give you some advice. <laughs> Steal from a lot of people at once. Make a lot of them dead. Steal from old artists that are long dead. Because also, here's the thing. If you look at old art that like over... You're saying as a young budding artist. Yeah. If you're looking yeah. at stuff that's over 100 years old, if it still looks cool now, that means it's cool for real. Uh-huh. It's like the way a Converse All-Star has never really gone out of style. Uh-huh. Except now they're owned by a dog murderer conglomerate. But they certain things that don't... If something it was done a long time ago and still looks cool, that's like, oh, what's going on here? Why, what about this works? That's the right. shit you can look at. Like, you know, look at really, really old shit and try to find stuff you still respond to that's... And also, like, my... Jason Hall used to tell me about ripping people off. He was like, the thing is, 
if you're ripping off a guy that's doing it now, they can just call him. Like, and they're uh, not so like why? It happens so much in the world of illustration. Well, I guess because the ripoff guy is probably more affordable. That's why they wouldn't. Maybe, but also he's shittier. There's what? He he's crappier. The ripoff guy can't come up with his own ideas or his own style. And art uh, directors know that. They're smart people, so they're like, eh, "Do we really want to a encourage this as a ripoff thing?" Yeah. And we're not going to get a thing that's as good. We're not going to get if you want if you want Jason Holly or the Clayton brothers, and you but you don't want to pay for them, so you hire one of their kind of offshoots. You're not going to get a thing that's as good. You're it's it, you maybe save a little money or that that maybe they weren't available, but the thing you're going to get is just a one off. It's not as it's not as rad. Right. Okay. Um. So these again, if you're listening to this and you're not able to be on Instagram looking at all the stuff, um, all these, all these artists that Kevin and I have been um, talking about will be on Kevin's Instagram. He'll have I don't know how you're going to end up. I'll make it on a there. collage into one square image and put them all there, and I'll tag all their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I don't know. Yeah, make a list or of their names or yeah. or sites or whatever. So, but yeah, Barry McGee, Rob and Christian Clayton, Jeff Soto. Uh, Ed Ruscha, Jeff McFetridge, Donald Bachelor, uh, Mark Ryden, Chris Johansson, Jason Holly. There you go. Radnesses. If you don't know anything about art, this is a cool place to Just realize there were no women. I apologize. Uh, and now know that Kevin is a misogynist. Kiki Smith ripped off a lot. Uh, uh, Ashley May Cumber's my favorite artist. And uh, also... She's your favorite? She's top five, and she's alive. And like lives not far. She's cool too. Oh, she's the coolest. Ashley's a ruler. Oh, I mentioned Alicia McCarthy. Alicia McCarthy is a part of the mission school. I have one of her paintings. She's rad. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but uh, I'll do this again and have more women. Sorry, and I'll have more ethnic people. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Kara Walker, great painter. A lot of white artists. Kara Walker is a genius (laughs) painter. She's not white. Okay. Okay. Um, well, good. Uh, I know the last time we did an art episode, there were people that really responded to that and they were into it. So hopefully you like this one. This one's way more specific. Yeah. This isn't just we went to a museum and talked about art, which is fine too, especially for me because I was like, I was learning along with... You, you know, love that Mark Ryden show. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I'm going to go back. People always go back to a show. It's the thing you always go back to and you can get more postcards. Yeah. Well, also, I, I would have stayed a little longer, but I didn't want my car to get towed. Like, they was, have a parking lot at Cone Gallery, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Do not park on on Highland yeah. because at 3 p.m., no joke, they will tow your fucking car if you're by in 3 in uh, Mark Ryden has a show at Michael Cone Gallery, K-O-H-N, called Gay 90s, and uh, there's a parking lot in the back. Big, yeah. beautiful paintings that you can't afford. K-O-H-N Gallery. It's super cool. It's there till probably mid-June, late June. It's worth going. It's free. It's fucking cool. Then you can learn who your favorite artist stole from. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you again, guys. And you know what? If you're still listening right now, um, review us. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, the word is spreading. Let's make it spread a little faster. <laughs> we love you. See you next time.